Welcome to the Awakened Legend Podcast. I'm your host, Latrenda George. Hello, everyone. This is Latrenda again with the Awakened Legend Podcast. Today, our guest is Justin Wells, who is a documentary filmmaker and author. Welcome, Justin. Thank you very much. Justin grew up in a small town in Sierra Nevada, mountains of California. He became interested in photography at a very young age, and he began his film career visiting the set of Star Trek. I would love to understand your career took a lot of different twists and turns. You've worked on commercials, television shows, and movies ever since. So Justin, tell us a little bit about your educational background and what really led you into this documentary filmmaking. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I grew up in the mountains in, uh, in California and I got interested in uh, photography at a young age. You know, I was, I was in high school and I was taking um, classes uh, at night at the local junior college in photography, you know. Yeah. Um, so when I went to college, I majored in film. And I think that's when I first sort of got really um, into the idea of telling your story or just how much narrative um, is is helpful about understanding your own life and in undergrad I went to uh, Vanguard University in Orange County and then when I graduated from that I started working for a camera company called Panavision which is really the biggest um, camera company in the world movie cameras and that's how I got uh, started um, in the film business um, on the camera side and, but it took a while, you know, to sort of come in as an outsider, work my way up the ladder. Um, and later on, I got interested more in documentary film, um, kind of just because I really liked the, the fact that when you're, when you're dealing with nonfiction, you're learning something new every day, as opposed to all of the years and hours that I put in on, on movie sets where you really, the script is the most inspirational thing. And then you're sort of um, working it out very tediously for the for the next year or months, you know. Um, so I, I found that documentary is really fun because you're interviewing people and you're learning something new uh, every day, researching a subject, and it's the the learning process sort of never stops from start to finish. I think that's great. I think that's why we connected so well, Justin, because we truly believe in the gift of telling your truth and telling your story. And as a fellow author also, I, I know I desire to um, create from within and, and, and just really giving people uh, a true story that they can relate to, that can help them on their journey and on their path. And as you bring topics to um, your audience and your listeners, it's a good idea to, uh, I think that's what sparked our interest with the documentary piece. Um, like you said, right. just learning something new. Yes. Um, bringing new insights. So I think that is great. So tell us a little bit about your book is How to Film Truth is the name of your book. Tell us a little about what prompts you to write it. And um, if you don't mind sharing some highlights concerning your book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I went, I ended up going to grad school at Art Center College of Design, um, where I wrote my thesis on documentary. I started, I wrote, I was thinking a lot about the uh, the different genres of documentary film, like if you were to go into a video store today or on your Netflix queue or Amazon, um, you'd see like different genres of film, like you know 
horror or thriller or, um, you know, suspense or something. And documentary is like only one genre, but really you can do so much with the nonfiction genre. There's a bunch of different genres, different types of documentary film. You know, like you might think of like documentary as the Ken Burns style, you know, voiceover with B-roll, kind of like a filmed essay. But throughout the history of cinema, there has been so many different kinds of documentaries that were so different from that and so amazing, you know? So that's, that's what I wrote my, my thesis on, um, my written thesis at Art Center. But I also have a, a degree in theology from uh, Fuller Theological Seminary. So I think it was the Christmas of 2017, I was having coffee with a buddy of mine, Elijah Davidson, and he wrote a book called How to Talk to a Movie. Very, the same size as my book, kind of small, quick wow. read, uh, yes. introduction. And he said, you know, we want to make this into a series of just nice, uh, good introductory books to topics in film, you know? And I said, hey, well, you know, I'm already thinking about documentary. Maybe I could, maybe I could write the one about documentary, you know? So he said, yeah, let's do it, you know? So then I started researching it. And I wanted to bring in, you know, because this was a publication for Real Spirituality, R-E-E-L Spirituality Institute which is really a kind of a nexus for dialogue between people of faith and film, right? So this is for their publication. So I wanted to think a little bit about spirituality in writing the book. Mm. Um, so I started to just think about what it was that's so powerful about these documentaries, right? And I've been going to the Sundance Film Festival every year um, for the past, I think, 14 or 15 years with uh, this same group of people uh, having talks with uh, filmmakers and people of faith. And I noticed that these documentary films uh, at the Sundance Film Festival were so powerful and healing for the filmmakers wow. and the subject as well as the audience, right? And it, it, it struck me as, as so amazing because... Um, in today's world of uh, public rhetoric with the 24-hour news cycle and social media and Twitter and Facebook, um, the, the way of speaking to each other is anything but, you know, truthful and healing. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's the opposite. It's, it's full of, you know, hate and vitriol and everything else. Um, but a documentary film doesn't lend itself to snap judgments and it's very empathetic because it takes so long, you're spending so much time with the subjects of the films hmm. um, as a viewer, as well as as a filmmaker, right? You can't help but identify with them no matter where they're coming from, what their background is. Um, and so it's really, I think it's a vehicle for generating empathy and in, in a lot of ways, good thoughtful documentary film is the antidote to the sort of ills that plague our public rhetoric today you know so that's really what i that's what i started to think about when i was writing the book was how is it exactly that these films are so healing and how can you tap into that as a filmmaker or as just a film lover wow i think that is so great and just listen to you speak here um when i think about what you just said it really as a transformational coach 
usually documentaries make some type of transformation in the life. It seems for the filmmaker, the person who's producing the, the documentary, and also for the people that's actually a part of the story, there's their story. And, and that piece is so healing because, like you said, you're introduced to new things, new individual stories, um, not knowing the past or what the filmmaker himself is going through. Um, or what experiences he's going to have in the future may identify with someone close to him. So it's, it's like these stories come to spell truth and light on something, but at the same time, the energy of healing is just so, uh, the magnitude is so great. Um, yeah. it, it's so transformational to me. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I was at a conference last year called the culture care summit okay and i was listening to a psych a psychologist speak right and i was in the middle of writing my book and uh, this guy's name is uh, kurt thompson and he was describing his method of uh therapy right yes. and he would say that people people would come in as clients of his and they would have depression and anxiety and his method was he would tell them that there's a very deep need that the human being has to be known by somebody, you know, the mm. need to be known. Yes. And he goes, um, you know, I'm going to invite you into the experience of being known by someone, namely me. I'm just going to get to know you in a safe place where you don't have the pressures of uh, your familial uh, social pressures or, you know, anything else. It's a, it's a confidential environment, but I'm just going to get to know the real you. Right. And he found that when people started to let him in and let them get to know the real them, they started to gain self-knowledge themselves. Right? Yes. And so I went up to him afterwards and I said, man, that sounds exactly like what's going on in these documentary films that I love so much. There's a, a very real sense that the subjects of these films appreciated the curiosity of the filmmakers so much, the desire to know them, right? Mm, yeah. That's why they're coming out of the film a more whole person, a better person after having done the film because they're allowing themselves to be known. That is so true. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. I don't know. I think, I, I think it, there's a, a lot of parallels. So I put a chapter in my um, book about what I'm calling confessional documentary as a genre of documentary film, mm -hmm. right? Confessional documentary is where you're basically as a filmmaker, you're just allowing these people to use the camera as a confessional of sorts mm -hmm. um, to, to say things. Sometimes people will say things to the camera, their parents, or they wouldn't say the ends because there's some sense of like that, this trusting relationship with the camera which was crazy to me because, you know, it's actually more open than if you were to just tell one person. But if it's done right, it does work as a way for people to um, reveal themselves and discover an audience out there that is going through the same things as them, where you realize that we're all fundamentally the same. And no matter what problems you're dealing with, there are other people out there who understand you and who maybe are dealing with the same problems. And all of a sudden, the problems don't fester. You know, they don't, in the dark, they kind of grow, but when they, you shine a light, they can't really grow. 
you know? So that's, that's kind of what's happening in these films. And I think it's running very parallel to what happens in therapy. Wow, that's very powerful because when I, when he, when one thing, when working individuals and as an author and as a filmmaker and as a coach, um, you, listening to people's stories, like you're giving them the platform to share their story, but also to have someone, and this is what the therapist said, to, to really listen to them. Um, and, and that's what people will pay just for someone to listen to them that's non-judgmental, right? Um, right? That really wants to help them to get to a place of awareness of something that's inside of them. So, so I think that it's very transformative. It, it transforms the way we interact with one another. It, it, it creates bridges towards one another. <laughs> um, and that's very powerful. So what do you wish for the readers to learn from your book? Well, I think it's sort of, there's two, two parts, two audiences and two part, two messages, right? Mm -hmm. I think on the one hand for filmmakers, if they, you know, the categories that I have, the spiritual categories for documentary film, I call them spiritual genres um, are, and you know, we touched on confession, but there's confession, testimony, celebration, lament, and the poetic. These are all um, category, these are all religious categories, spiritual categories sure. um, that, that tap into something very deep inside of us that we need. Yeah. And a lot of times this, they can be expressed in religion, but they can also be expressed in art. And so what I'm saying is that if you're an artist um, and if you're interested in documentary film, you might want to look at some of these categories and say, well, maybe, maybe what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to make a, a a, a confessional film or maybe I'm trying to make a testimonial film or maybe I'm trying to make a celebratory film or a lament film and if you are there's a huge history in religion culture and art of those sorts of genres you know confession is a literary genre confessional books you know St. Augustine's confession testimony is a, a history in the church you know um uh, celebration, you know, the way that we celebrate and choose what we think is important to remember is something that we do in culture all the time. And so what I'm saying is, because um, as a filmmaker myself, I often thought when I was starting out, like, there, the choices are endless. You mm -hmm. know, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to make a document, but what am I making it about? You know, like, what's interesting? And if I can give the filmmaker some deeper categories to think about, then I think they'll be able to make deeper films, right? So that's that's one side of it. But even if you're not a filmmaker, you are just someone that, you know, maybe you're tired of the 24-hour news cycle and you're tired of Facebook and Twitter and you want to have um, engage with a conversation about issues of today on a deeper level, I think doing it through documentary film is a very healthy way to do it. So it's really a book about if you want to really appreciate the amazing, amazing documentaries that are happening today, because we kind of, we're, we're living in a golden age of documentary because there's unprecedented, unprecedented access to equipment and funding for documentary and um, outlets for documentaries like Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and um, film festivals. And there's all of this conversation is going on through film and it's a very healthy and vibrant conversation and if, even if you're not a filmmaker, you can join in and participate. And I just want to introduce you to some of these really amazing films. Wow. 
That sounds great. But listen to you, Justin, you seem to be very spiritually grounded. And I'm just wondering, like, what happened on your path to kind of lead you to this type of focus in your documentaries? Like, what was your course of action? Because someone could be interested in filmmaking and documenting could be, but, you know, it seems like it was a process you went through to get very clear and, and being passionate about these lines of documentaries. Yeah, well, I, um, I took, I got a degree in philosophy mm -hmm. um, before I went to Florida, went to Art Center, and I was really kind of looking for, you know, meaning in life, and um, I didn't really find it that much in philosophy, although I liked it. It was much more kind of technical and analytic, but when, you know, after I had kind of a background in philosophy and I went to go study religion, um, all of a sudden, the, the, the things that I was looking for, all the meaning started to open up um, when we started to look at religion and art, you know? So like we went to Orvieto, Italy, and we spent two weeks there with a sculptor and some, some theology professors, and we looked at medieval spirituality and medieval art, and we saw how the spiritual outlook of, you know, the, the, um, the medieval uh, artists was sort of they were infusing all of their work with their spirituality um mm. and so i i just and then you know i've always been around filmmakers i've always been around artists and i just found that you know what there's more in common between religion and art than people think you know that i think there's a there's a an author his name is brent s plate and he has a quote that i use in my book and he says uh dig around in art and you find religion, dig around in religion and you find art, mm. you know? And I think that is clear. I've been digging around in film, not necessarily knowing what I'm looking for, for the past, you know, 10, 10 12 years. And um, I have found more spirituality and religion than I ever thought, especially at the Sundance Film Festival of all places, you would think that this is kind of like a, a godless area. Yeah. In fact, it's not. I mean, it's, it's, I've, I've seen more sort of spiritual engagement at Sundance um, than I do almost anywhere else. You know, that's why I make it so it's an annual tradition that I look forward to so much. Wow. That is just to know that you were tapped in and it's open to try different genres, try different things in filmmaking and then realize that it was just unlimited possibilities. Um, out there on how to present the truth and you being in search of the truth for yourself open you up to create avenues for more people to tell their truth uh, mm -hmm. I, I think that's very and you can hear the passion in your voice um, as you tell us about this and so any any, any projects you're working on currently or any um, new events that yourself personally is working on yeah. Um, well, you know, here's, here's what I think I might want to do is I've been talking about how these documentaries are so amazing and impactful. Maybe I could give you a couple of examples. Sure. If, if your listeners wanted to look and watch something t today, right now. Um, so right now there is a documentary on Hulu, which I saw at Sundance uh, this year. And I saw it at Sundance and it blew me away. I wrote a review for uh, real spirituality. And I said, guys, this is 
the best example of a confessional documentary I think I've ever seen, right? And it's called uh, Minding the Gap. Mm. And it was bought by Hulu. And so it's on Hulu now. And this filmmaker's name is Bing Lu. And he um, has been filming his buddies uh, skateboarding since he's like 15 or 14. You know, so it's it, this documentary takes place over a good six or seven years. And um, it, it's a very visual film and you think it's about skateboarding, but really it's getting at something that is hidden in the background, in the dark corners of this community that he grew up in of Rockford, Illinois. And it's, it's, it's violence, you know? And sometimes you think when there's problems, systemic problems that often get passed down from generation to generation, you wonder how does the cycle stop? Because yes. we know that these that, that violence can often be passed down. Well, it, I'm going to spoil it in, in a way, but one of the ways that it's stopped is through uh, a, a, a medium like this to be able to talk about it. You know, it, when there's things that are in your life that are painful or shameful or something that you don't want to talk about, that's a lot of the times the reason why it continues is because society can't get it out in the open and can't, can't deal with it. But the film is basically him gently prodding his buddies and his friends and slowly getting them to open up about this thing that they all share in their past from their fathers or their stepfathers that they, you know, feel ashamed about, even though it wasn't their fault, you know, and uh, provides a platform it provides a platform for the community to deal with it. So mm -hmm. if you want to look at an example of some subjects in a documentary having a tough time in life, but the documentary having this lifting effect, look at Minding the Gap and look at those four characters that he follows and see how their lives are changed just in virtue of the fact of him listening and him uh, asking questions and documenting and then putting it up for for all of us to see. Wow, that that's that's something. This the number of years it took to gather information to really give a very truthful story. I think that's something that documentary filmmakers really need to be known for their their passion to really get the fullness of the story. Yeah. And wonder what's going on behind the scenes. I know on your website. Um, I had noticed one of the things that caught my attention is a TED talk you had put there. Boredom is good for the mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that really um, stuck out to me because uh, I'm a person that believe in stillness and taking time to really listen to your thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, anything you want to share with that? I wonder why you, why did you post that on there on your website? Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> funny. I'm, I'm, I am, for my next book, I'm, I want to write another book called Making Documentaries Deep, which kind of expands on these same ideas. Uh -huh. um, and uh, so I've been researching. There's a genre of film in uh, the fiction film world, and it's called uh, slow cinema, or sometimes it's called transcendental style. There's a book written by Paul Schrader, who's a famous screenwriter, called Transcendental Style. Um, and uh, I was reading a book about boredom. Um, a, a philosophical book about boredom. And um, the question is, you know, when I go into a, a, a slow movie and I'm in a dark theater, oftentimes I will have 
kind of transcendent experiences, not unlike the way people describe their experiences with meditation or prayer. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started to develop a theory about slow cinema. And I really think that what's happening in slow cinema, and I'm talking about films that are intentionally slow. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the example I use in my book is a film called World Without End by Jim Cohen that I saw at Sundance. And um, it's basically, he goes to uh, a small town in, I think it's Ireland on the coast. And uh, they're just very long, slow shots of, you know, the, the, the birds and the waves and kind of rhythmic. And then he, he'll have an, the occasional interview about how the town is like, governed by the rhythms of the tide and, and things like that. And it kind of lulls you into this, to this space of just not expecting something to happen, mm. you know, not going for that sort of when you, when you're watching and you're expecting a narrative to happen, this is the opposite. This is, this is delaying your gratification. Um, and I think that's what is kind of the, the impetus behind meditation is because we have these desires, you know, and we want things, we want things to happen, but just sitting and being still and being content mm. with where you are. That's what I think prayer and meditation is about. So what I think is going on with slow cinemas, slow documentaries is that the, the, the artist is guiding the viewer in an exercise of meditation. So, so people that don't have meditation or yoga or prayer in their life sometimes stumble into, the, into slow cinema, discovering the same things, the same principles behind meditation and prayer, but they're doing it through the film. And so that's why I say, like, it's very important to, to see slow cinema in a dark theater with okay. no distractions, because you'd be approaching this you should be approaching this the same way that you would approach doing some prayer or doing some meditation, getting rid of the distractions, being at peace with yourself and allowing these images to kind of put you in a state where you're able to um, comprehend uh, more about your existence, more about God, more about um, being content as opposed to looking for that next thing. Yes, because I, I know when I actually listened to that TED talk, you mentioned the boredom is good for the mind. And some of the examples that she um, said in that talk, um, it was really true how when you slow down and you're amazed what comes in and like slow cinema, you know, it's this experience where it's teaching you to be present, right? Yoga does meditation, prayer. It teaches you to be present in that moment so you can receive that which you're searching. But we're so taught to just wait to what we want at the end <laughs> to happen the results from doing the meditation and prayer so just being presently enjoying the slowness of the cinema the slowness of your meditation the slow of just grounding yourself and yeah. totally understand that i'm here right now in this present moment to get the fullness out of this moment yeah. not what that the in desire results is so mm -hmm. that's very yeah, powerful there's a great, if I could give an example of that too, in case people want to know, um, there's a great film by uh, Werner Herzog. He's one of my, 
my favorite filmmakers. And he made a film called Encounters at the End of the World. Mm. And it's a, a film where he, he basically just journeys to um, McMurdo, which is in Antarctica, to ask people. He thinks maybe they know the meaning of life down there. <laughs> so he yeah. just goes down there and talks to people. But there's a beautiful sequence in it where he's talking to these scientists. And the scientists are saying, um, studying microorganisms and evolutionary biologists and they're saying that the world is is fundamentally conflict at base you know it's these little microorganisms are like monsters and they're just eating things and um they like to watch 1950s sci-fi monster movies mm -hmm. and stuff they feel like that's similar to what they're studying and Werner Herzog kind of lets the lets that worldview conflict is the base like the base of reality he lets that sort of sit with the viewer then he does a sequence where he dives under the ice and he's underneath the ice and he's looking up at the ice, which is illuminated by the sun above. And it looks like a cathedral, right? It, look, it has a very kind of cathedral-like imagery with these strange and weird and beautiful creatures down there that you've never seen. And he overlays acapella religious choir music over the sequence with no words. And it goes on for about three minutes. So he's basically providing a counterpoint and saying, rationally, we look at the world as a scientist and we see nothing but conflict, but we also look at the same world and you can see nothing but beauty. Mm. So he's, he's kind of let, and, and it, I think if I wouldn't have been in a dark theater with no distractions, really focusing on the film, I don't know if I would have caught that that really, really profound moment that he put in the middle of that documentary. Wow. That's that's and that shows the benefit of, like you said, a dark theater, no distractions. And when you're not distracted, it's so much you can get out of something. It's so much more understanding when you're focused on something and you're able to um, remove the distractions out the way and really take in the information that's been fed to you. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that's, you know, one of the things that we need to take more time to do <laughs> as a society. We really do. Um, so tell us a little bit of your book. Um, where can listeners find your book? How can they find out uh, more about you? And also I was thinking on discussing um, people who are interested in getting in filmmaking. Um, I know a lot of our listeners will be, um, interested in this conversation based on just attracted to you watching documentaries and, and, and the truth, but also those individuals who want, desire a career in filmmaking. What would be some of the things you would give them as suggestions and how to get their self exposed to all the different um, avenues that are out there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, as far as me, you know, my website is justinwellsfilms.com. And uh, there you can, you can get in touch with me, email me through there or on my social media. Um, it's at 1J Wells um, on Twitter. Um, and um, that's, that's how you can get a hold of me and my book. You can order through my website through the publisher, Whipfinstock Publishing. And it's a little bit cheaper if you order it through Whipfinstock um, directly than on Amazon. I think it's $17 on Amazon. It's like $13 on Whipfinstock. Okay. So, you know, you could either 
look up my name, Justin Wells, how to film truth on Amazon. If, if it's more convenient to uh, order it through Amazon, but else, but it's a little cheaper if you just go straight to Whip and stock, but that's all on my website. Um, and I'm, I'm open to uh, questions or, uh, you know, getting in touch with me on Twitter or anything like that, as far as advice into joining the film industry. Um, I'm probably a little bit more unorthodox in the advice that I would give because yeah. I probably wouldn't point you straight to Hollywood. Right. I think that the, mo the most important and unique thing about you is that you're you and there's no, nobody other, no other person like you out there. So the, the most valuable thing that you can give to the world is to have, to find your own unique voice. Yes. I did a little bit of teaching in film uh, as an adjunct professor for a little while. And what I found was that film students often, um, they start out copying Hollywood or copying movies that they liked, which is really mm -hmm. just learning craft, learning how to use cameras, learning how to edit. And the best way to do that is to copy, you know, but that's not really providing anything unique to the world because you're just copying. And then they'll move on to spoof, you know, so now they're at least doing something different, you know, and then they'll start to, once they've gone through those two stages, then they'll start to do things that are actually sort of unique to them because they have the tools down. It's almost like learning to play a musical instrument and learning other people's songs before you start writing your own songs, you know? Yes, yes. So, so I, I mean, but really, you know, people talk about film school and how expensive it is, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the best thing that you can do is to just start making films yourself because the technology is there. Um, it, it's, there's no longer a, a financial barrier to be able to actually go out and make some things. Anybody can afford a phone to shoot on or an editing program, um, a rudimentary editing program on a laptop or even sometimes on your phone. So yeah. the best thing to do, I think, is to, is to actually just go out and start making things. I, uh, I, I was teaching my nieces and nephews, they're seven, eight, and nine, um, when I was home for the last holiday, um, how to make a movie. Wow. I, I showed them how to write a script and then we wrote a script and then I showed them how to shoot with my phone and we just did coverage and then we cut it together and then we looked on the internet and we found some music and we cut, we did the whole scene in a day and they said, that's it. That's it. <laughs> you just make it long. And I was like, yeah, you could make a whole movie this way if you wanted to. <laughs> I bet that was exciting so, for them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But that's, you know, that's, that would be my advice. I mean, just find other people that are like-minded that want to make, because film is a collaborative art. And if you can find other people that want to help you and you want to just go for it, that is by far the best way to get in um, to, to the movies. I think another thing we discussed um, in our previous conversation is the gift of storytelling and finding avenues to meet others who are in the gift of storytelling who um, do that. I know you mentioned the Moth Organization, and I looked it up. They actually do have a location here in Atlanta. Um, but is there any other way people can learn how to just get better at telling stories? The whole... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. Uh, here's what I noticed when the few times that I was in documentary film classes, and part of the reason why I was drawn to documentary film as opposed to fiction film I still like fiction film, but I just really have a passion for documentary. Mm -hmm. um, what I found was when the professor 
would give people weekly assignments to make a five-minute film about themselves, something having to do with their life. The things that they were coming back with were so incredibly powerful. Here's one example. There was a girl, she was probably about 22, um, undergraduate, and she was in this documentary class. And she came in with her film, and you know the class is in the theater, and she put it up on there. And the shot came up, and it was her. And she was by a phone. And she said, well, to the camera, she goes, well, I haven't seen my mom since I was 14 years old. Mm. And then she picks up the phone, and she starts to dial. And we just thought, we were looking like, wait a minute, is she about to call her mom? Now? Right. You know, like, this is just for the assignments? You know? <laughs> right. And uh, then she hung up. She hung up and she said, I can't, I'm sorry, I, I'm not ready. And then it cut and it showed in a, an apartment. She goes, well, this is the last place that I saw my mom, this apartment. She left and she did this, you know, and throughout the couple weeks of, uh, of this assignment, um, she explored the relationship that she had with her mom, how she felt about her mom leaving her. Eventually, she worked up the courage to call her but only posing as a as a high schooler doing research on her nonprofit. Wow. And she recorded a conversation. And in the conversation, her mom is saying, you know, we, this, our nonprofit is, you know, helping children all over the world and stuff. And then she, after she gets off the phone, she's like, well, that's ironic because she's helping children. But what, what about me? You know? Yeah. But she was dealing, she was dealing with some very personal deep issues and she was using the film to work it out and so i think that there's this when you are engaged in telling a story about yourself whether it's through a documentary film or you know like you mentioned the the moth story hour is where people tell a five-minute story kind of almost like a stand-up comic you know yeah. there's a whole there's all kinds of storytelling organizations out there um in la i know that there's a just a of a big storytelling scene as there is a stand-up comedy scene right so there's something about these stories that we like listening to it's a great way to spend an evening but also i just think that um sitting down and thinking okay i gotta tell a story about myself that in somehow helps you organize the priorities in your life in a different way it helps you see your life in a different way i think there's a sense in which you can, you can look at your life as either positive or negative, pleasure or pain. I'm either in a state of happiness or I'm in a state of pain. I'm either disappointed or I'm fulfilled. I'm either, you know, different states, right? But there's something deeper in a narrative where you're mm. saying, I'm going through something. I may be going through something tough, but that's just part of the story. Yeah. You know? So the, so the, 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 the pain and the hard things take on a different character when they're part of a story rather than when they're just standalone. But also the accomplishments and, um, and, and high points take on an even bigger significance when they're, when they're housed in the story. So I think actually telling stories is, is one of the things that we need to do for our own psychological and spiritual health. Yes. I think storytelling, it helps um, heal the inner child in us. It helps bring those limits of beliefs we may have to light. 
And in, when, you're, when you're storytelling, you're author, you're writing something, or you're telling your story in front of an audience, it opens your mind to really get to the root of the matter. It's a process. Like the, 14, the girl said her, her mother, you know, abandoned her at 14. As she went through that process, it opened up doors for her to a great understanding about where, where she's wounded. Um, and even though she contacted her mother as a research student, she had that connection. It was that communication with her, even though, you know, she was playing a different part at that time. Right. And later on, who knows, they may have, you know, eventually had a real conversation together. But it's just the process. As we begin to tell your story, you will not stay the same. You can't tell a story. I don't care if you tell it negatively or positive. Eventually, something, some line of thinking is going to come along <laughs> to kind of, because you want the story to end well. No one really, the most negative person really wants something good to happen. Um, mm. And so as you yeah. tell that story, you could start off negative, And by the end of the story, you can realize one word that could change you into a smile or happiness or seeing a, a change. And so like we tell people, you're not stuck in life. You just need to make some decisions, right? You just need to make yeah. some different choices. And I think yeah. that's the gift of storytelling. Like you said, it's, it's healing for the person that's creating the, the art. Um, is it filmmaking, a book, or any type of art form, or just self-dialogue, but also for the people who are going to receive it as a gift. Hmm. They cause yeah. them to think about themselves and their actions. Yeah. There was a, a piece of research that I came across in researching for my next book um, uh, about a guy that was um, doing research, I think back in the 80s, about what he calls generative people. And his definition of a generative person is someone who gives back to society. So, you know, like Melinda Gates or someone who runs a charity or something like that. And he looked at the way that people, generative people, how they told their story. And mm. he noticed that there were similarities that most people, most generative people, meaning people that are giving back to society, were telling their story, were telling their stories in terms of redemption. They mm. had redemption life stories and it wasn't that their the events in their life were different than non-generative people it's just that that's how they told the story you know so they were spinning the, the the events in their life as if there was going to be a redemptive outcome and the question was did did they have a redemptive outcome and then they told the story or did, or did they start telling the story and that in a sense caused um uh, became a self-fulfilling prophecy and it caused a redemptive outcome, you know? Mm. And I think that there's some, there's a lot of evidence that the latter may actually be part of the case that when you start to tell your story as if it's going to be a redemptive story, your story in some sense will turn out to be a redemptive story. Wow. Thank you so much, Justin. That is so true. You have shared a lot with us today, Justin. If anything you would like to um, say to the listeners, um, just some type of word of encouragement um, as they may be venturing into filmmaking or just to share their story, just share the truth. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for, uh, for being diligent in, uh, in getting us together. Yes. I'm so, so, so thankful to be on with you here. Um, 
I, I guess, you know, I would say, look, if I could say anything, it would be find a way, um, find a way to start telling your story, whether it's through film or whether it's through writing your memoir or whether it's through um, some other medium. Um, I, I would say, you know, just go for it. And, and again, um, contact me on social media, interact with me. I like to, uh, I think I see this book as a way of starting conversations and conversation. So I'm always open uh, to questions and dialogue. Well, again, we appreciate you, Justin. It's been a pleasure having you and we hope to have you again in the future. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. It's been a pleasure and thank you for tuning in to the Awaken Legend podcast where you find inspiring dialogues and transformational concepts. This is your host, Latrenda George, signing off.